Hello. Whoa, I haven't talked to you in forever. Yeah, he's right here, but we're getting ready to do a podcast. Yeah, the Negative Positives podcast. Out of the gutter man cave in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, I can give him a message for you. Okay, I'll do it. Hey, take care of yourself. Hey, Gutterman! 1997 called. They want their APS film back. And now, here is your host, Mike Gutterman! Hello and welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode number 283. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from the Gutterman Cave here in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm actually recording this episode on a Monday morning before I even record number 282. So I'm kind of one ahead. I had a little time tonight. I wanted to go ahead and get the solo show recorded tonight to kind of, you know, pass some time that I, some free time that I have, some rare free time. So if there's any anomalies in the time-space continuum between uh, episode 282 and 283, uh, that's why. So, <laughs> But uh, I got some emails here I want to get to. So let's get to the first one. This one comes from Gregory Parker. And uh, he's uh, responding to, I've been talking about, uh, you know, getting 4x6 prints printed. Uh, uh, some free, actually, 4x6 prints, from, uh, prints printed from some online labs. And so he uh, sends, me, sends me an email. It says, Mike, I won't make you watch the terrible video if you don't want to. LOL. A few years ago, I did some comparisons. Walmart was the best for 4x6. Nation's Photo Lab was best, but more expensive. At that time, I had not used MPix. Snapfish is terrible. Greg Parker. And um, Greg has a uh, YouTube video. Uh, if you do a search on YouTube for Greg Parker, My Photo Prints Review, you should find that video. Uh, he actually used some, some print uh, labs that uh, I haven't used. Uh, I have not used Walmart. I have not used Nation's Photo Lab. And I did use Snapfish, and I've also used MPix uh, in the past. Uh, so yeah, he uh, had some uh, some interesting conclusions on some some prints that I uh, print you know labs that I haven't tried out. But uh, I will say this: uh, it seems the general consensus that Snapfish is terrible because <laughs> mine were bad, his was apparently bad, and I got some comments on the Facebook group, but uh, not a lot of love for them. So <laughs> maybe want, might want to avoid those. Uh, I have used MPix quite a bit in the past and honestly I think they're one of the best uh, online print uh, services in the USA uh, they're a little more pricey and, and for, for good reason uh, they really do a good job with like uh, you know getting your colors right and uh, for the files you send them and they also use like the Kodak Endura papers which I really like those papers and uh, so it's a little bit more of expensive paper uh, I got some prints from Kodak Moments which uses their uh, like their edge paper, which is like a, a, a tier below um, Endura, I guess, uh, and and they're great. But uh, yeah, if I had my choice, I would probably just use Mpix from here on out um, because uh, I've had nothing but good results from them in the probably six to ten orders I've had from them in, in previous years. Uh, but they're they're a little pricey and and pricier, not that pricey, but pricier for. But you know you you get what you pay for, right? So I've had good luck with them. So yeah, check out his YouTube video with his what he found out with some of these uh, cheap four x six printing labs. Uh, you can also see him on Instagram. He's at Greg 
Parker.photography, Greg.Parker.Photography on Instagram, and check out his YouTube video under Greg Parker, My Photo Prints Review. Okay, uh, thank you, Greg, so much for uh, your insight on that. Uh, the next thing is I have, well, it's kind of a call-in camera review. It's an email camera review, and this one comes from Jim Graves. And uh, he kind of reached out to me. There's a thread on the Facebook group. I was kind of asking, you know, uh, about calling camera reviews, what makes people a little bit, you know, not not necessarily wanting to send them in. And Jim said uh, he just didn't feel like his voice was broadcast worthy, which, I mean, that can't be true because listen to my voice. So, I mean, I'm just uh, uh, gravel gravel voice uh, and I've got 283 podcasts so but uh but Jim asked me if it'd be okay to send like an email camera review and I said sure so he sends us in so we're gonna find out if uh if the old gutter man can can read good yeah, he reads good so uh this is a pretty lengthy email about this uh but I'll try to do it justice and, and not screw up too much but this is from Jim Graves it's a Nikon F801 camera review he says, hi, Mike, Jim Graves here with a review of my Nikon F801 called the 8008-8008 in the USA, a camera that is a sleeper amongst the most, the more popular Nikon F-mount 35mm SLRs. It is often said the best things in life are free, and that is certainly true of a camera I was given by a dear friend in 2018. He had watched my progress in film photography as I often share a few shots on my Facebook page and he figured the Nikon F801 that had been sitting in a box in his loft for several years would have a loving new home with me. It was an offer I couldn't refuse and a few days later it arrived in the post. My first impressions of the Nikon F801 he had kindly given to me were, does he know what he has given to me? I had to ask as what I lifted from the box was a camera in great condition that needed the odd speck of dust blowing off. It was also fitted with an Nikkor 50mm f1.8 AIS that needed a clean. There was a small amount of fungus on the front element. I did a swift search of YouTube and found a tutorial video to show me how to remove the element. I promptly gave it a possibly the first bath it had ever had. Uh, the rest of the glass appeared free from any fungal spores, so that was a timely intervention. After I had cleaned the lens and put it back on the camera, I checked the battery department. It was empty and more importantly free from corrosion. I fed it to the required I fed it the required number of AA batteries from a well-known manufacturer of gold-topped items <laughs> and switched it on. The camera worked. More searching procured a manual for it and I set about learning how to use it. The Nikon F801 was first unleashed upon the photography world in June 1988 and was a high-end prosumer camera positioned for both the professional photographer and the enthusiast whom was comfortable with the advanced features it carries. I was pleasantly surprised to discover it was fitted with an impressive shutter capable of such dizzying speed as 1 8,000th. I will say that again because it blew me away when I first read the specs. 1 8,000th of a second. That's F4 territory. On closer inspection of the specifications of the F801, it uh, does indeed share the same shutter and AM2000 autofocus module as the F4, along with many other features common to both cameras, including matrix, center-weighted, and spot metering. Where Nikon saved a few bucks in making this cheaper to buy than the F4 is it has a plastic body wrapped around an alloy chassis. The prism is not interchangeable as it is in the F2, 3, and 4, uh, and the features are not as stacked. The F4 is all magnesium alloy, has better metering, and quicker autofocus. Camerapedia has a full spec list. I will put a link at the end of this review. 
In short, this is a beast of a camera. I'm a Nikon DSLR user, and I instantly gelled with the F801 as it shared similar features I currently enjoy on my D700. Its ergonomics and layout had me comfortable enough to load it with a roll of Kodak Color Plus 200 and head off to my favorite place to try a new gear, my local park. Loading the film was easy. Put the film on the camera, pull the leader out to the red marker on the tape upside, close the back and switch the camera on. Press the shutter halfway and it loads itself. No more messing around with getting film leaders to stay in the slot. For my first time using the F801, I fitted my AF Nikkor, Nikkor, whatever, 70 to 210 millimeter F4 to 5.6D lens as I wanted to see how good the autofocus was compared to my DSLR. I have to say I wasn't disappointed with it. Given uh, the late 80s origin of the camera, it is one of the first Nikon, Icon, Nikon autofocus 35mm SLRs, but it's pretty fast for the time and has a familiar uh, manual, single, or continuous modes that you will find on every Nikon DSLR. If you like mechanical sounds, this camera is kind of cool as it hunts the focus point, but it can be rather loud. Silent wave motors were still two decades away when the F801 was made. If you can pretend it is, it's a robot, it doesn't seem so bad. The shooting modes are familiar to any Nikon user. Manual, aperture priority, shutter priority, and program, which itself has three modes, P, PH, and PD. ISO is set automatically with a built-in DX code reader, but can be overridden if you want to push or pull your favorite film stock from 60 to 6400 uh, ISO. Exposure compensation is plus minus five stops and one third stop increments for fine tuning and the motor wind is a quick 3.3 frames per second at high speed or two frames per second in economy. My D700 is 20 years younger and shoots at 4.5 frames per second using the same focal plane shutter. That impressed the hell out of me and I'm not one to go giddy about such, at such things often. The F-mount ensures the F801 takes all, the Ni uh, all of Nikon's manual and autofocus lenses from AI to D. You can use later AF-S lenses, but only in manual focus, and VR doesn't work either. I will place a link to lens compatibility chart at the end of the review. I'm reliably informed that the Nikon F801, or in the USA, 8008, was a big seller, and particularly to wedding photographers who would carry it as a spare or dedicated second shooter. This means there are quite a few on the used market, but probably quite a few more lurking in boxes and attics, cupboards, and lofts. They are also disgracefully cheap, too. The F100 has all the cool kids' attention, so the F801 and its younger sibling, the F90, have been largely forgotten. This is great for me, as I haven't got a lot of cash, and should I want to buy another, it will cost around $50 for a well-looked-after example. At the time of writing, KEH have a few in stock for between $5 and $50. The later F801S has the same metering as the early F4 and better autofocus for the same price. I have really enjoyed using my F801 and recommend them for anyone wanting an electronic camera with great features and versatility with having to sell a kidney to finance it. If you have one and maybe haven't used one in a while, dig it out and relive some memories. And then he lists some uh, photos that he took and also there's specs on Camerapedia if you look up that camera. Uh, there's a lens compatibility, uh, compatibility uh, uh, link that he gave me here, uh, so I'm sure you can uh, Google the lens capability, uh, compatibility. Uh, but anyhow, Jim Graves is on Instagram at underscore Jim Graves, that's J-I-M-G-R-A-V-E-S, and he also has a Flickr. So uh, thank you so much, Jim Graves, for the call-in email, or the email in camera review, so... <laughs> 
uh, about the, the Nikon F81, F801, or in the USA, the 8008. So yeah, I got a. It's funny because I feel like uh, a lot of these plastic, fantastic, uh, you know, 35 millimeter SLRs are getting a little more love lately, and I like that because I'm a big fan of my Pentax uh, PZ1P, which also has that one eight thousandth of a second shutter speed, which is really, really handy. Like folks, like you're out shooting in bright, bright sunlight, and uh, maybe you got a little bit too fast to film in there. If you want that shallow depth of field for a portrait, man, that one eight thousandth of a second shutter speed really does really does help out and uh so i'm a big fan of, of that of those higher shutter speeds on some of these plastic fantastic 90s uh, uh slrs or late 80s so uh yeah very good stuff but uh thank you jim so much for the uh for the review and uh you know next time uh call one in uh, i'm sure your voice is at least as at least as palatable as mine so <laughs> but but very happy to get that so uh all right i'm gonna go ahead and take a break and uh, figure out another call-in camera view, and actually an actual call-in this time for the next segment. So uh, I'll take a break, and we shall be right back, folks. All right, folks, we're back from the break, and it is time to do an actual traditional call-in camera review. Uh, this one will be coming from Bill Smith, uh, obviously from the Classic Camera Revival podcast, and he's going to be speaking about the Rolly uh, 35, and uh, which I'm kind of interested to hear this one because I've kind of been a little bit interested in that camera. I've had gas for it a couple of times, never really bought one. Uh, it does seem like a really beautiful camera, and it kind of does... Uh, it kind of gives me gas from time to time, but I've yet to pull the trigger on one. So let's listen to uh, Bill Smith talk about the Rolly uh, 35. Hi, it's Bill Smith from the Classic Camera Revival with yet another phone-in review. Okay, everyone loves their compact cameras. Generally, the uh, I never was until my brother turned me on to the Rolly 35. These are really compact cameras. In other words, you can hold one in the palm of one hand. It is a lovely bit of German engineering from the people who brought you the Rolleiflex TLR. Uh, Frank and Heidecker made these. Uh, they introduced them in 1966. And uh, over the course of its production run in Germany, they made a, several hundred thousand units. And then in the early 1970s, production moved to, the, to Singapore and, and they introduced a second lens style model. I'm going to talk to you about the Rolly 35, the original, the made in West Germany model. It came with a collapsible uh, Zeiss Tessar lens, 40mm 3.5, and it is a sharp camera. It will take all sorts of great photos. Um, there are some quirks to it. Namely, uh, there is no rangefinder. It is a zone focus camera. So if you're not used to guesstimating distance, this may not be the beast for you. Uh, it is uh, loading it. It's a little strange because the take-up spool is on the left side of the camera 
along with the film advance leader and on, you put your film on the right and the rewind knob is on the bottom along with the flash hot shoe. Now granted, it's really going to look strange if you're going to put a Vivitar 283 on this where the camera is literally not that big. Like, you know, size, you know, just the footprint wise, my iPhone that I'm recording this on is, is bigger. Uh, so what's it like to shoot with? It is a jewel. Uh, my brother swears by them as travel cameras because he travels a lot for work. He can throw his in a briefcase and along with two or three rolls of film, and he's set. And I tend to agree with them. I, I did a test run with mine, and it was like literally I, uh, the meter was not that accurate, but I used the light meter app on my iPhone, and I was good. I was happy with the results. And, of course, you can't just have one, so I wound up getting a Made in Singapore with the 40F 2.8 sonar. I shot a test roll, but I haven't seen the results yet, so I really can't talk to you about it. So, other than that, it's uh, design-wise, you've got your shutter aperture control, your uh, ISO, uh, and, of course, your shutter control on the front of the camera. And it, it's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, Again, it's a very small camera. It's the one you can fit in your pocket, your jacket pocket, and forget you actually have it. Anywho, should you get one? Well, yeah, because these compact cameras will outlast anything made in the 1990s and early 00s. So, what do you expect to pay for one? Well, if you're on eBay, you're looking anywhere between three and five hundred dollars. Uh, if you do want, want, come across a a model with this uh, 43.5 Schneider Zenar lens, expect to pay a lot more. They didn't make many of those, and then there's a price premium for that. So, uh, get one. I think you'll like it. And again, this is one camera. If you look after it, it will look after you long after that uh, Contax T3 has given up the ghost. Anyway, it's Bill Smith from the Classic Camera Revival with another phone-in review. Have a great evening. Well, thank you, Bill Smith, for the review of the Rolly 35 camera. And, uh, yeah, uh, sounds like a, uh, yeah, I don't know if that's, that's helping me or not. It's kind of giving me gas. But uh, I, I, I had a chance to buy one and, and passed it up. Uh, they're just beautiful, beautiful, tiny little cameras. And uh, But, yeah, I just I haven't done it yet. They are a little odd, a little kind of awkward to use from what I hear about them. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. They, they're, it's, I mean, it's a beautiful, beautifully made camera and I'm just going to quit thinking about it cause I don't want to get gas for another camera right now. So, uh, but if you want to, um, uh, again, thanks to Bill for the call in. Uh, always good to hear from the classic camera revival guys, uh, real experts on these cameras. But, um, and so if you want to send in a call in camera review or call in about anything in your film photography journey, developing how you fucked up something, uh, is some, something you learned or about a particular photo shoot you had, whatever you want to talk about, it's in your film photography life. Uh, you can go ahead and uh, record an audio file. Uh, usually uh, easiest way to do it is on your smarty phone. Just use your, your voice recording app or, or voice memo app. Uh, record that file and uh, email that on into negpositives at gmail.com and we will put it in the queue. And I've got quite a few uh, in the last week or two, which is awesome. And I really thank you guys for that. Uh, but don't worry, it, it probably won't be as long for me to get to some of them because with the new changes coming in January, 
giving you a little teaser there. Uh, these things might get played. Uh, I might be doing more per episode than I, I have been doing rather than just like one a week or whatever. So uh, I could get through them a little quicker than I, I have been just doing uh, one a week or whatever. So just a, a little teaser about changes coming to the podcast in January. So, okay, we'll take uh, one more break and uh, come back and wrap this show up. So we'll be right back, folks. Alright folks, I'm back for the final segment and uh, the last thing I want to kind of talk about is uh, I've been deep, uh, balls deep in this uh, kind of uh, photo printing uh, uh, family photo album project. Uh, I finally received all my free prints from what I've been talking about on the podcast a lot lately, uh, uh, Snapfish, uh, uh, York Photo and Kodak Moments. And uh, I can honestly say, uh, and I've done face casts about this, so if you've seen those, you kind of already know this. But uh, Kodak Moments was the winner. Uh, and it's really it wasn't even wasn't even really close, actually. Uh, Snapfish was awful, uh, <laughs> and uh, then uh, York Photo was was decent, but I did have some scratches along all the prints. Uh, looked like the rollers kind of scratched the prints up a tad. Uh, the Kodak Moments prints uh, look fantastic. They look uh, pretty much like I saw them on my computer screen, and. Uh, they're just very nice and uh, they're on like a Kodak uh, Edge Generations paper I think is what they call it it's uh, like a step below uh, their Endura paper but uh, it's a it's a little bit more of a flimsy paper than Endura uh, that Kodak sells uh, they're more professional paper I guess uh, this is more like I guess their consumer print paper uh, but the prints look fantastic and the colors look fantastic so uh, as far as my cheap printing uh, for 4x6 uh, online printing I'm gonna, I think Kodak Moments is who I'm gonna stick with until they, they do me wrong. It makes me wonder too, like, is this something not necessarily the printer's fault or are they like some places are doing color correction, some aren't? I'm not really sure, but uh, just sending the basic files to each of these three services with just, you know, minimal editing on my part, like uh, doing uh, basically just uh, levels adjustments in, in Photoshop and just uh, sending them on out in JPEG format to all these uh, services. Uh, you know, got some kind of wildly varied results, but the Kodak uh, Moments prints were the ones that were closest to what I saw on my computer screen. And, you know, that's uh, that says a whole lot. It's a lot less work for me. <laughs> and so, yeah. And the one thing I do wonder, like, you know, as bad as like the Snapfish prints were, uh, those were printed on Fuji paper, uh, Crystal Archive paper, which is known to be a really good paper uh, and, and known to uh, also have pretty decent fade resistance and all that. Uh, so, but it makes me wonder how, like, how Fuji feels about this. Uh, because to an uninformed consumer that doesn't really know how this works, you know, they get these prints from a, an online service and they look like, look like shit, basically. And you turn the print around and on the back it says Fuji Crystal Archive paper, that kind of looks bad on Fuji, right? And even though it's not Fuji's fault, it was the lab's fault. But I'm wondering if the, the average consumer looks at it like, well, hell with this. These, these, are, these prints look awful. Like, this must be this, whatever this Fuji Crystal Archive paper. And, uh, no, I don't like this. I, I'm not buying that anymore. Uh, but, uh, and then, you know, you, 
you look on the, my Kodak moments, prints look great, and you turn it around and it says Kodak paper on the back. Um, maybe, uh, maybe you think, oh, Kodak paper is one for me. But the interesting thing for me is, you know, Kodak Moments is actually Kodak printing the photos on Kodak paper. So maybe they have a little more vested interest in making sure your prints look good because you're actually ordering from Kodak and they're using their paper. And maybe they want to make sure that they're not tarnishing their name. So I don't, it's just, it's a thought that I had as I got these prints because I've gotten uh, plenty of prints in the, in, in the past on Fuji Crystal Archive paper. That was fantastic, you know. Uh, and it just, I know it was more the lab screwing up than it was the paper. But it makes me wonder how Fuji allows like some lab to consistently um, put out really kind of horrible prints with their name on the back of the paper. It seems like something they would kind of want to get some quality control on, right? Because <laughs> Because uh, I'm hearing nothing but a lot of bad stuff about Snapfish. And they're printing all this stuff on Fuji Crystal Archive paper. And that, that seems like something that Fuji might want to be like, Hey, man, you know, uh, you need to shape, shape up this game, man. You know, step up your game here. You're, you're making us look bad. <laughs> I don't know. Just kind of a thought I had about it. Okay, the last thing I want to talk about is while I was actually recording this episode, I uh, got a little Instagram message uh, from none other than Mr. Ted Vieira. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, I have a greatest amount of respect for Ted, not only as a photographer, and he's just been awesome on the podcast every time he's come on, but also as a fellow musician, a fellow guitarist. And he sent me this really, really cool message. And uh, I want to play that right now because uh, it, it, it just, it, it, it really just made my day. So <laughs> I just want to uh, get this out there. So let's listen to what, what Mr. Ted Vieira yeah, man. has to say. Hey, Mike. Hey, how's it going, man? I hope you had a, a great weekend. Uh, I was just listening to your uh, podcast that came out on Friday and just wanted to say, yeah, I really liked uh, the guitar stuff you were doing, both the cleaner stuff that you were doing, kind of like a, a track under your voice during the uh, podcast, but I also liked the um, overdriven uh, stuff, some nice motifs and just, yeah, cool sound, man. Anyway, while I was thinking about it, I just kind of wanted to pass that along. Hey, man, have a great week, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Wow. How, how cool is that? Uh, Ted was talking about uh, episode 281, uh, the solo show from last week. And uh, that, I can't tell you guys how much that uh, really uh, exciting that is to hear because Ted's one hell of a musician, one hell of a photographer. So anytime you get a, uh, a compliment from uh, as, as as talented guy, as talented of a guy as Mr. Ted Vieira is, uh, that has uh, just kind of put me on cloud nine. So thank you so much, uh, Ted, uh, for the uh, for that little uh, little message you sent me. I really appreciate it. Uh, super awesome. Yeah, man. All right, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this show up. Uh, you can see my photography on uh, Instagram at Gutterman Photo, on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. You can email this program at negpositives at gmail.com. You can join the Facebook group, the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. And we also have an Instagram account under the name Negative Positives. If you submit photos to Instagram, think about using the hashtag Negative Positives. Uh, that account is, uh, is really, uh, I get a lot of help from Mr. Uh, uh, Bryce Randall. So, uh, you know, if you uh, highlight your photos with negative, or hashtag your photos with negative positives, maybe Bryce will find it and uh, highlight it on the Instagram account, negative positives. And big, huge thanks for, uh, to Bryce for uh, just uh, really helping me out with that account. It's, uh, it's awesome, awesome work he's done. So, 
Okay, um, we will, uh, I guess this is a Friday episode. My days are all mixed up. The whole space-time continuum is throwing me off here. Uh, so this would be a Friday morning. So Okay, yeah, everybody have a great weekend. And uh, <laughs> and uh, let's see, who we got coming up for uh, the Monday show here? I'll check this out real quick. Um, okay, oh, Betsy Carl. So, yeah, uh, we'll have her coming on the Monday show. And I will have a Facebook post uh, for to ask questions of Betsy. Uh, very uh, excited to have Betsy finally make an appearance on the Negative Positive. She's very active on the Facebook group. So yes, uh, this Monday will be Betsy Carl. So uh, and uh, so then, until then, everybody have a great weekend. Everybody stay positive and shoot some cool film photos. Gutter Man Cave Production!